Hello, and welcome to the Light Reading Podcast. My name is Phil Harvey. I'm an editor here at Light Reading. I'm Kelsey Zeiser. I'm also an editor at Light Reading. And I'm Robert Blumoff. I generally go by Bobby, and I'm the Chief Technology Officer at Akamai Technologies. Bobby, thanks so much for making some time to uh, talk to us here today. I do appreciate it. Thanks for um, having me. Boy, Akamai Technologies is, I mean, my my assessment of the company or my, it's a, it's a name that's been around, you know, uh, for, for a long time for me, Twenty-four years. Yeah. I, I'm always thinking of it as like, this was edge computing before we knew what edge computing was, you know? Um, well, that's true. Yeah. The company was founded in 98, started with delivery, but um, we, we started doing edge computing back in around 2002, 2003, 2004. At that time, it was all based on, on, uh, on Java. You know, we would actually right. run um, run Tomcat at the edge and run uh, and run war files uh, at the edge of the internet, which was very cool for the time. And yeah. um, you know, it's really coming into its own now, not in the form of Java anymore, but um, but edge computing is really coming into its own nowadays. There was also a time back then where if we were writing about um, uh, getting in, you know, being able to see HD TV or HD streaming anywhere on the internet, we had to call somebody at Akamai and go like. Can you explain how this works again? So the the files this big and they're connecting on a mobile device. Now, how, how what happens in between? <laughs> right. And, yeah, and, and to this day, media delivery is still a big part of our of our business. Um, yeah. You know, we're, you know, we've really, um, in fact, that was sort of in a way where we started um, mm -hmm. was media delivery. It's still a big part of our business, but of course, now we also have a significant business in security, and um, with the Linode acquisition, we also now have a, a significant business in, in computing. Yeah, it's 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 but what's so, what's been so interesting to you know for for me about Akamai's evolution is just like it's always um, understood that getting computing resources as close to people as possible, you know, aids right. the connection, the processing, makes their devices I would say more valuable because they're suddenly getting the content that's exactly right for what for what they're doing, and I just I uh, uh, I. I wish more people would appreciate you as I do. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. You know, I, by the way, I, I generally think of it as getting the compute to where the data is, is kind of the mm -hmm. way I would generalize what you just said is you want to okay. get the compute to where the data is. And, you know, a good rule of thumb is that rather than move the data to the compute, which I think of as, which is backhauling, and you really want to avoid backhauling whenever you can. So rather yeah. than move the data to the compute, move the compute to the data. And that is a rule of thumb that is, Probably the right rule of thumb, ninety something percent of the time. That would and, make a great bumper sticker. I would care. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the, day, the other way around. And Kelsey's already merchandising sticker. your career. Congratulations. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. All right, you can make some money on the bumper stickers. But yeah, so you know, when when you're dealing with data in motion, as in when you think about an, a, a web transaction where you have data. Um, in your HTTP request and response traffic flow, and you're computing on that data potentially to customize responses or route things to the right place, um, the data is at the edge. And so you want to do the computing at the edge. Now, there's other cases where you don't want to be doing computing at the edge. For example, mm -hmm. you've got data stored in a big database somewhere. Again, right. do the compute there in mm -hmm. that location. And that's really fundamentally in a cloud computing use case. Um, and so one of the things I love about the recent Linode acquisition is it now lets us cover the full spectrum from edge to sort of core. Uh, yeah. And so all those different use cases and everything in between, because it's not one or the other, it's a spectrum of compute that I think uh, 
um, is really a, a fundamental um, premise that is needed for modern uh, modern applications. Yeah, can you can you tell us a little bit more about what um, Linode uh, provides? Um, you know, what benefits that brings um, to the company through that acquisition, and you know, where you see things kind of moving next. What what can we expect to hear next? Yeah, you know, Linode is basically you know computing infrastructure and storage um, in the cloud, um, and you know, it's a remarkably developer friendly and easy to use set of capabilities. Um, many Akamai employees, including myself, have, have used Linode as, as customers. Um, and, you know, one of, one, of, one of my friends at, at work likes to say that you could just, you know, fall out of bed and have a virtual machine provision for you. It's that, it's that easy. I probably, I'm, I'm probably mess, messing up his metaphor. Um, so hopefully he's Can not. Can also make you some coffee, though. It sounds easy. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but, it, but, it's, but the point behind this metaphor is simply that it's, it, it's so developer-friendly, so easy to use, and, and, and provisioning compute capabilities, whether it's, whether it's in the form of virtual machines or, or Kubernetes and containers, um, it's just remarkably easy to use. Okay. Um, and, and, and as I said, from my point of view, that really lets us create a full spectrum of compute offerings mm -hmm. from edge computing to core cloud computing and everything in between, um, because it's not a one size fits all. Uh, if, you know, again, coming back to that, that simple, um, that simple rule of thumb, move the compute to the data, not the other way around. Well, data sometimes lives at the edge and sometimes it lives in the core, depends on what you're doing, whether it's really sort of stored data um, that is data at rest or whether it's data in motion. Data in motion, go to the edge. Data at rest, that's great in the core, you know, in, in the cloud. So um, the, the Linode acquisition really is exciting for us because we believe it creates that full spectrum of compute capabilities um, that modern applications really depend on. They were um, uh, a, a firm that was kind of about the same age as Akamai, right? Like, so I guess culturally, they seem to mirror each other quite a bit. Yeah, they built, you know, developed very organically. They're a Philadelphia headquartered company. I'm not sure exactly how, how old they are, but um, but yeah, it, it's a wonderful company, a wonderful organization, and and um, you know, we all just absolutely love the platform again because so many Akamai employees, you know, we're, we're developers at heart, um, and it's such a great developer platform. So um, you know, we we really love that uh, love Linode. That's great. What are you able to do with that capability, you know, combined with what Akamai is already doing, uh, you know, in security and in, in, in edge compute? Um, what, what does the whole thing look like stitched together? Like, can you give me a real, maybe a real world example, or do you guys have a customer in common or something like that? Well, we do have a lot of customers in common and, and we'll be working through a lot of that, um, uh, you know, sort of use cases, uh, you know, as we as we develop the the integration, but at a high level, I really think of it in terms of you know modern applications and their compute needs because you know modern applications aren't monoliths; they're built out of services, generally containerized services, um, or, or 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 functions. And it so it's not the case that you you could think of an application as living you know in the you know in the core in the cloud or or at the edge. It's not a one or the other. It's really a full spectrum. So when you think about the multiple services and how they have to collaborate and work together and the different data sets that they're operating on, some of those services make sense to operate as functions at the edge because they're dealing with data in motion. 
other services um, will make sense containerized in the core because uh, they're operating on uh, things like, you know, for example, stored data. And, and again, th- this idea of the, of the full spectrum to support the multiple services that make up modern applications. That's a big part of the vision. You know, and then, of course, we can bring to bear a lot of our um, traffic routing and traffic management capabilities so we can direct traffic from the edge to the core in an efficient, reliable um, manner, which can include failover. So we have uh, various traffic routing capabilities that would allow for failover um, to multiple cloud locations or across multiple clouds if you want to be in a hybrid cloud uh, environment. Um, and then our security offerings. You can think of our edge security capabilities as, in some sense, forming a shield around the cloud. Hmm. Um, you know, in many ways, I really think of security as almost the ultimate use case for edge computing. Because, um, again, back to this point about that you want to do your computing where the data is. And security, right. or at least certain components of security, are about data in motion. So somebody has traffic going from one place to another, and you want to make sure that if that traffic is an attack of some kind, that you're blocking it, or at least providing visibility so that you know that there's an attack going on. So right. in effect, your security stack is operating on traffic in motion. It's looking at your traffic flows and making sure that there isn't anything bad in, in those traffic flows. And so rather than backhaul all of your traffic to a security stack in a central location, you're much better off moving that compute to the edge and operate on that traffic flow at the edge where that traffic naturally is. And that allows us to block attacks at their source instead of letting them get to their um, their targets. Uh, so again, in many ways, edge computing really is in some ways the, the ultimate platform for security or maybe said the other way around, security is the ultimate use case for edge computing. So now when you combine with our cloud capabilities, we can think of the edge and our edge computing and the security capabilities that live there as protecting the valuable assets that you have in the cloud. Because in the cloud is really where you're going to have your stored data, right? Your, mm-hmm. your, your valuable database, your valuable data assets are going to live in the cloud. Um, and, and the edge is what's going to secure and, and make sure that nobody can get to it. Mm-hmm. Um, so there, there's a beautiful synergy between edge security and, and, and cloud. Yeah, because you want. Sec- oh, go sorry, ahead. Phil. Go ahead. <laughs> are the security tools or technologies that you're using at the edge are those um, different? Are, the, are there any different challenges too with um, providing security at the edge? Well, um, as I said, there, there are of course challenges. Um, you know, in, in many cases, uh, you know, the, the key thing is you know keeping all the rules. Uh, up to date and making sure that you're getting all the right data and and, and getting everything routed to the right places and things like that. Um, but I think it's less an issue of what are the big challenges and really more of an issue of really the adoption. Because as I said, I really think that, uh, that um, security is really best addressed at the edge. And so we need to move out of this old world where it was acquiring appliances or virtual appliances and deploying them in one or two or three central locations and backhauling traffic. Um, Because today, you know, and actually that that brings me back to um, 
you know, some of the big evolutions that have taken place in, in, in recent years, because right. you, as we've talked about the power of the cloud, you know, we see applications moving to the cloud and, and uh, I don't, I don't think we've touched on the pandemic yet, but we, before the, we started the recording, you know, Wait, we hold were on, talking- a pandemic. All right. Well, let me write that down. <laughs> so, let me write I think that that's down. on our bingo card. At some point, you know, <laughs> if you look at the way things have evolved, you know, once upon a time we worked in an office building and the applications lived in that office building. And in that model, the employees are there, the applications are there. So sure, you put your security stack there. It all lives in that office building. Well, over the last few years, the apps left the building because the cloud is so powerful. It's so it's so compelling. I mean, who still has a data has a data center in their office building? Mm-hmm. It really makes no sense. Um, nobody goes to data centers anymore. You do it in the cloud. So the apps have left the building. They're in the cloud. And then the pandemic hit, and everybody, you know, and the people left the building. So what's left in the building? Well, nothing. So it makes no sense. To have- <laughs> Curating. So, yeah. <laughs> no one wanted that. That's, that's so it terrible. makes no sense to have your security stack, you know, still sitting in, in an enterprise data center or really even in, in the cloud because your employees are all working from home or, and even once the pandemic is over and people go back into, into work, they're only going to go back to work sometimes. And they're still going to expect to be able to work from anywhere from on the road and things like that. So um, my, my point again is that rather than getting into a world where you're backhauling all of your traffic into your security stack because your employees are everywhere, um, instead run your security stack at the edge. It really is the ultimate yeah. use case for, for the edge. Um, and, and, and so, uh, yeah, I forget where I was trying to go with this, but no, you, know, may- also, you know, my, my point is the, the importance of, um, oh yeah, that's right. You were asking about the challenges of doing security at the edge and and I'm trying to sort of pivot that back to the to the opportunity of running security at the edge. Yeah, that makes sense. I, I you know, it's interesting too because the the where where we you know just teasing you about the bringing up the pandemic and everything because we're 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 constantly aware that 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 you know that our our um, our way of working has changed. But yes. I, I feel like we maybe don't talk enough about how that's completely changing, um, not just the the way we use the network, but the, t- the kinds of computing that we're asking the network to do, because, yeah. you know, because when these things were sort of more centralized, like if you were working in an environment where you needed, um, you know, so lots of machine learning or AI to process, you know, certain amounts of data and things like that. And then you take that and distribute it. <laughs> you've, exactly. you've created a completely different, um, platform. And then like we are on the media side, I mean, I can tell you, I mean, without fail, I, I know this, that I, everybody in light reading, our, our upstream bandwidth is so much more than our neighbors, you know, <laughs> wherever we work because <laughs> of, you know, passing media files back and forth and things like that. And you could almost pick out where we live on a, <laughs> by watching the, the upstream bandwidth. Do that, <laughs> no, no, don't do that. But, but it's a, it's a, you know, it's a reality of like, you know, that used to be all in one it, you know, exactly. could have been in one place. Now it's now it's everywhere. Um, yeah. How did how do the you know the the uh, companies that we we cover most closely, the service providers, how do they adapt to this new environment um, yeah. when it comes to uh, you know to edge computing and sort of what 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 is your uh, what is your point of view there and has has the has the way that they're addressing uh, uh, Akamai as a technology partner changed. Yeah, I mean, I think you're onto a really important point about um, 
these recent technical changes, as well as the, the pandemic, have really, um, I think, forced a rethinking of the way we think about the entire enterprise architecture, not just where we do compute or how we do compute, but really the entire enterprise architecture. You know, I think it, back to my point about, you know, you're either in the building, you know, or you're working from home, not in the building. Now, I think the notion of, of you know, in or out really doesn't make any sense anymore. Um, you know, there, in the old days, we really thought of the enterprise as sort of this, this sort of castle model where you're either in the castle or you're outside the castle and you protect with, a, you know, with moats and, and walls. And I think we're now in a world where that model really doesn't make any sense. You, you're going to be able to, you want to work from anywhere um, and your applications live anywhere. And so there's really no notion of a, of a castle with a, with a wall around it. Um, and that's a really fundamental rethinking of things. You know, I like to say, for example, that, um, that all access should be remote access. So in the old days, you're either in the building and then it's local access or you're from home and you use a VPN that's remote access. And what I say now is there's no distinction between them. All access is remote access, no matter where you are, because the applications live in the cloud somewhere remote, no matter where you are. So yeah. Yeah, why do we think of the office building as non-local, uh, right. as local or, yeah. or non-remote? The office building is as remote as anywhere else is. So one of the one of the great things that that some enterprises have adopted, including Akamai, is to treat all access as remote access. So the way I access an application from home versus the way I access an application from the office building is exactly the same. Um, and by the way, we don't use a VPN; we use zero trust access because we have zero trust access products, and we believe in mm -hmm. zero trust. Um, and so we use our own products um, to do that access, not a VPN. But the key point is that whether I'm in the office or home or in an airport or a customer, I always access applications in the same way using the remote access mechanism because all access is remote access. Right. And in a similar vein, then I think of the office building as really, again, this is something I've been saying for a while. The office building is really just a, a private coffee shop with great Wi-Fi. Um, and I really fundamentally believe that that's the, the, the future of, of work. Um, or the future of the offices, think of it as a, as a coffee shop or a private coffee shop with great Wi-Fi. And, and, and I mean all the way down to the way it's architected. Uh, mm -hmm. Back to this remote access point. When you're in the office building, again, treat it just like a private coffee shop. And so the access that you have is really just internet. Your, your, your network connects you only to the internet. And then, of course, you use your remote access mechanism to get access to the application. But, um, but that mindset shift of again, the office building being nothing more than a private coffee shop with great Wi-Fi, I think is is actually fundamental and causes a rethinking of the architecture. And it means that there's no longer any notion of sort of an inside and an outside, no longer a notion of a private network. Um, the cloud is your database, the internet is your WAN. Um, and now coming back to you know the question about, well, what does this mean for the, for the providers? Um, it means that it's less about providing just core network services um, or private networking and rather providing higher level services like access. Um, so rather than think of network as a service, how about access as a service or remote access as a service? Um, and so there's sort of a moving up, uh, you know, in, in that stack because everything at this point, once you're in that model where there's no inside, no outside, where there's, where, you know, where, where everything is um, just based on the cloud and the internet, um, everything is provided as, as a service. There's no longer, okay, we're going to buy a bunch of boxes and, or even virtual boxes and put them into a, into a cloud data center or a private data center. Everything really is, is offered and consumed as a service. Um, and, and I think that's an enormous opportunity for, um, for providers of all kinds, um, including the network providers who are so fundamental to this whole thing. All right, because if everything is provided as a service, then connectivity 
is uh, is going to be the delivery vehicle for everything. For everything. And that seems like that plays right into their hands. <laughs> so that's good. I think it does. Yeah. 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 Um, and, and I was, you know, I, I generally very complimentary of what they've done. Cause if you look at what's happened in, in our lifetimes, it's really been network led, you know, the ISPs that, that have um, transitioned us from silly dial up, you know, all the way to broadband and now, you know, gigabit per second types of connectivity in the home that it, it works remarkably well. Um, and is really fundamental to making our lives even remotely tolerable through this pandemic. I mean, think of what it would have been like 10 years ago before we had um, this kind of access. And, you know, I think you've got to give the, the ISPs their due. You know, yeah. they, they've changed the world for us and they've, they've connected to everything. Um, and it's really quite remarkable. In the, in the, let's see, the 10 years ago scenario in a pandemic, Kelsey and I would have been on our... Um... We would have had Motorola, the ones with the with the push button walkie talkie, and we would have just been interrupting each other constantly uh, yeah. through <laughs> instead of making phone calls. Uh, uh, you go no. Yeah. It'd have been like yeah. a no. It'd have been like CB uh, bad CB radio. But uh, also, I have to I have to comment just to infuriate my employers. I have to say that uh, uh, I'm contractually obligated to point out that. In our case, the office building is is a coffee shop with terrible coffee and and, and pretty good and pretty good Wi Fi. Um, so, yeah. so I, I that 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 will get uh, that 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 that's going to get me in trouble. But there you go, you yeah. got to put it out. Well, there. I think it, yeah, I think once people get to that mindset, well, I guess maybe you've got to improve the coffee too. And, and get, mm-hmm. yes, it can, be, it can be very enabling. I think for um, for a company to think about because it, it's basically then about options. You know, yes. when it when it comes time to to, to spend time with work, you have options. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I think work in the past was very monomodal. You know, we, we, you, you woke up in the morning, you went to the office without even thinking about it. Now we have options. Mm-hmm. And in the morning, you can make decisions about what is the best way to be productive today. Um, should, I, should I spend time from at home? Should I go into the office? Should I go somewhere else? Um, and, and I think that's been enormous, enormously enabling. And, mm-hmm. and, and so ultimately, you know, my sincerest hope is that we sort of adopt the best of what we've learned through the pandemic um, with the best of what we had before the pandemic. And we end up with a better hybrid result at the other at the other side. Mm-hmm. It's a pretty good place to leave it. Uh, Kelsey, any any final thoughts or we uh, uh, do you want to do you want to wrap it up there? I mean, I, ju- I just think in addition to, um, you know, better coffee, having more, you know, puppies in the office. <laughs> I like that too. There we go. Uh, see, Those I was going to advocate for like sandwiches, but you go all the way to puppies. You're just like, like, give them something to say no to, and then we'll, we'll back our way into sandwiches, right? Um, yeah, if you really want them to come back at all. That is, it's high <laughs> level strategy from Kelsey right there. <laughs> All right, Bobby uh, Blumhoff, thanks so much for uh, making the time. Thank you for uh, to Akamai for uh, for for allowing you to have uh, to give us this much of your time. We do appreciate that, and uh, uh, thanks to all of you listening. Please subscribe on uh, uh, any of your podcast platforms. If you happen to do the Apple uh, podcast one, give us five stars, and then you can write whatever you want. Because I, I figured out the algorithm on there. You can actually call us terrible. But but if you give us the five stars, then then we both win. And that'll be kind of fun. I just, thanks thanks I for having me. Really what did it. I just unleash? Anyway, uh, yes. Thanks yeah. again. And we will see you all next time. Thank you.